Hello and welcome to another episode of Thinking Critically, a D&D discussion. A podcast where we take a single word or topic and discuss what it means within the D&D 5e and wider TTRPG framework. Each episode, I'm joined by a different guest to dissect a different topic. And today, I'm joined by Jeff Neighbours. Thank you ever so much for joining us today, Jeff. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Hi, I'm Jeff. I am the Dungeon Master for... Reroll Expectations, which is a homebrew actual play podcast that I run. I'm also the media director for ChasingXP.com, which is a uh, indie game, game development, game design website and podcast that I run. And that's me. Awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to this session. It's a really good, interesting, open to interpretation topic, of which today's is planning. So what, is, what does planning mean to you, Jeff, within the D&D slash TTRPG framework? Uh, anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I played D&D for a long time. I played D&D since I was in high school, which is a, a long time ago because I'm an old man now. And I've always been a DM. My friends are terrible DMs, and I'm the one who has to make up for it, but being the cool guy who does it. Mm-hmm. But up until very recently, every time I go to sit down to plan out a session, I get super overwhelmed or I... I'd write out too many things or I end up railroading my, my players. It, it's a lot. <laughs> a mm. lot goes on in, in, in planning a single session or a campaign or what it may be. And for me, it gives me a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of stress. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a classic, isn't it? There's so many questions. It must be one of the most asked questions of DMs is, I see it all over on Facebook, all over on Reddit, of like, how much should I plan? And I think it's because people are so paranoid of... Mm-hmm. a railroading like you said or or, or not planning enough or, or not confident enough to improvise uh i'm fortunate enough that i i hold a personality of somebody who is very good at blagging uh aka improvising so uh, <laughs> I, I i don't mind leaving a lot open to kind of interpretation and and uh, you know doing it on the night mm-hmm. as it were so you said you DM for a campaign that's a homebrew campaign. So how long, how how big, and how long has that been going on? Because that'll gauge my, you know, my next questions. Um, we are almost at a full year of the podcast existing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what session number we're on because I kind of label it in my head, and they're always wrong as the, as the actual <laughs> session numbers. We're in season three. I think we're recording episode nine later today, or is it wow. episode ten, something like that. A pretty pretty healthy amount of episodes. I'm not as pleased with the narrative as I should be because, again, I have not planned this out very well. <laughs> but we've been going on for a while. It's a, it's a pretty big world, I think. We're getting somewhat close to the climax, I believe, of the uh, of the of the story. Okay, okay. So uh, explain to us your your planning approach. Then I take it because it's it's kind of a unique thing that that might differ in some ways to say my own planning. Which is which is just for me and my players. So, what, what's your approach to planning this this podcast, this this seasonal podcast? So, when we first started it, I I had tons of notes and exposition and and lore and blurbs about the world and things around it. And then the more and more we played, I realized my players really don't care <laughs> about what's going on um, for the things that I was writing down. They were interested in their own ideas, their own backstories, their own questions about about this world which made me like have to sit back and go oh well i don't have an answer for you right now i have to come back to this which really mm-hmm. is, is is uh an unfortunate thing to do as a dm when you tell someone oh i don't have an answer for you right now because i feel like it really takes the joy out of the player's experience if you can't answer their question or give them that taste of what they want in the world yeah so originally i started out with tons of exposition and like cool details and like little bits about the world, things like that. And then after I realized that no one actually like went for those bits and pieces, I have now transitioned to a much more open improv style, mm-hmm. which for me, I think has made some of the best episodes so far, just so I can sort of throw things out there and let my players sort of explore the world around them. Mm-hmm. There's obviously like a group of DMs and a particular personality type that enjoy that kind of world building on a grand scale. Which is, you know, world building, but it's also planning for a campaign. Yeah. 
and, and doing all the, you know, 50 years ago, there was this happened and 100 years ago, the currency yeah. changed from this, that and the other and this, this, this monarchy and this, this, that and the other, which isn't me. I could not I might, do I that. I might have those notes somewhere. <laughs> I could, I could not do that. That's, that's, it would be so the seams would be so visible it it would be pointless like it would take two seconds or something to go but hang on the opposite you just you just said the opposite happens and i'd go oh yeah <laughs> whoops uh, so i i don't tend to do that but i feel like there needs to be some matchmaking thing because you're right in that not every not all players want that right it's it's sometimes that can be overkill for the players and the, mm. that you have and the type of game you have and you can put all that effort in which is great and if you enjoy doing it i guess it's not wasted but it can definitely be disheartening to then the players not care about the minutiae of when the currency changed from gold to diamond <laughs> or when you know when they when they change the color of the flag from light red to dark red because right. that has such a huge meaning and was an insult to the the previous monarch and stuff and and there the players are just like yeah but what about my brother who is in a different country altogether <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've definitely had that issue before where like i'll write this cool big expansive thing about this like in retrospect is a very minute detail but for me at the time of writing i was like no this is super important the players have to know this and then they never touch it they never touch it they never get to the area where they do that because they want to do something else and i'm like oh well let me just table this paragraph of text i wrote for another time mm-hmm. and then i never come back to it um yeah it happens it happens very frequently but one of the one of the things that i wish i had known when i started my podcast mm-hmm. is how to plan properly because <laughs> mm-hmm. one of the things about, about running a a campaign in a complete audio medium we don't do re- video recording or like that it's all just us recording uh via just discords and cast or whatever maybe mm-hmm. combat is boring for listeners mm. so i have i have tried to make combat rare but engaging when it's there but also making sure that my players know role-playing is more important. Yeah. Well, maybe not always role-playing, but investigating, exploring, asking questions, building the world around them so they have their own sort of fun, emergent area to play around in. Because this is, again, an audio format, so they have to really engage the listener while they're playing. And also on my part, I really should have planned the campaign out better, um, <laughs> which I didn't do. <laughs> I have been flying by the seat of my pants for way too frequently. <laughs> well, yeah. uh... To, to quote Westworld, if the players can't tell, does it matter? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think they can. I th- there's been a couple of rough episodes. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think DMs do themselves a disservice. I think it's much easier for us to say to tell, like, "Oh man, that was a rough episode." But I think it, it's often a softer uh, impression left on the players, unless, of course, it's like a complete car crash. Then, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um. It'd be interesting to see, you know, the the differences in in the, in the concessions you have to make, and I really like that touch of like combat is boring. As, as I mean, it can be boring even if you're blooming playing it half the time, to be honest. Yeah. Um, let alone if you're if you're just in quotes listening to it. So that that that's an interesting an interesting thing to think about when you might not not necessarily have had to have thought about it before. So, and of course that colors the rest of your planning, right? Like, yeah. If you you, you want less frequent but more impactful, that kind of dictates basically the flow and then the, the velocity in a, in a certain sense depending on how yeah, and when it, and where it, and why it absolutely so. does interesting so with that with that in mind then in terms of kind of campaign and setting and setting planning would you say you're kind of a, a bottom down or a top up kind of planning style i don't know what those terms mean <laughs> <laughs> uh, i write I things my- <laughs> I'll put my monocle away and uh, more like, so do you start with big picture stuff? Like here's the world and here's the continents uh, and then yes. let me work down and be like, okay, now here's the city and here's the person that's going to give them their first quest. Or do you start with like, they meet in a bar and the tavern owner says they've got a rat problem in the basement and they need to go and kill the rats and then build it up from there. It's a mixture of both. I want to say when I mm-hmm. first started the campaign, I had, a, I had a grand idea. I was like, cool. There's this world. It's split in half by this giant chasm that was created when magic first was brought to the world, but that's not important because it's just a setting. The real thing is that there's a, a guy who's claiming to be the king or the king's uh, true heir or things like that. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the players to go to explore that route, but then things got derailed as they do. 
Mm-hmm. I had better ideas for a more captivating story, and the players wanted to do wanted to do different things, so it sort of evolved that way. But now I'm a little bit more of the opposite, where they have a general goal of what they want to do. Sort of. I I, I know their goal. That they don't know their goal, but I know their goal. And so now I, I am, as as I plan out our new sessions, it's much more of a smaller details kind of place where they're. They have options to do different things that may or may not line up with their endgame goal, or might just have mm. have a good time while they're here. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's nice. I, I like that you're reactive to in a you know dynamic, should I say, to fit the the needs of the the campaign. I think that's probably <laughs> an underrated facet of DMing is that it's dynamism. It, oh, yeah, hella difficult. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also realized that I might have said bottom down and top up, which doesn't make any sense. Of course, I meant <laughs> top top down and bottom up. Uh, <laughs> so I don't I, I don't expect you not to know those made up sayings that I just invented <laughs> then by accident. So um, no worries. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's it's the more like now we're, we're talking about it and talking about that planning process. It's on paper, it can seem very mechanical, right? It's the DM sits down in between games and they think about what the, they want the story to be. But in reality, it is much more than that and a lot more mm-hmm. difficult than just throwing down bits. Of, it's it's how do I want this episode to feel? How do I want the, the pacing to be? How do I want this, you know, impactful? Do I want this combat? How much does this, is this thing that I'm thinking about doing going to affect the player's agency, for example? There's... Mm-hmm there's a whole lot more to planning rather than just like, Oh, I'm going to have a gnome called Bob. Like <laughs> <laughs> it actually goes a little further than that too. Yeah. Um, because one of the biggest things is that we're a podcast. Our episodes are generally around 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. If the players skip an entire section of my session, we're going to have a much shorter episode, which then mm. leads to a problem of cool. What do we do now? For an example, in our, Last session, I had planned out this really cool puzzle for them to go through that, in my head, it was like, all right, cool, this will take some time for them to sort of figure it out, maybe about a half hour for them to go through the puzzle, hash it out, talk to each other, and then go. And they blew through it in like five minutes, and I was like, well, <laughs> now we have a shorter episode. Cool. <laughs> I guess there's even more of the kind of implicit social contract there to say, like, I don't know. Do you think there's more of a social contract there to say, like, we, we need to kind of work with the DM here to make sure this episode's a good episode? Because I think nothing's uh, worse than having just basically, like, dead air or, uh, you know, <laughs> t- 10 minutes of content. We never have dead air. That's one of the good things. Because um, mm-hmm. one of the players is always off doing something like a little rascal they are. Uh, <laughs> it mostly comes down to me trying to get an idea of what they want to do for the next episode, I feel is the, the most important thing, which I've been doing more frequently. So after we finish a campaign or we have a big reveal, I'm not campaign, a finished episode, have a big reveal, whatever it may be. I go, all right, guys, cool. You guys now have this new information, this new tidbit, this new item. What do you want to do with it? So I can plan for it next time. Yeah. To make sure they're still included. They have that player agency, but they can feel that they've been rewarded for the tasks they're doing, but also still advance the plot in the meantime. Because mm-hmm. I can still, I as a DM can loop that into the grand scheme of things. If they want to go off during a session where I've not planned for it, it's much harder for me to plan around that. Mm-hmm. I think that's, a, again, a potentially underrated. It's something It's something that I do. In fact, I asked one of my players a, a couple of days ago who were in a very similar situation to yours in that it's uh, there are very clearly defined chapters or arcs. There's like a beginning and a middle and an end, a little mm-hmm. bit of wrap up. Okay, chapter two starts kind of thing. So there's an opportunity there for me and i asked him i said okay you 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 just left the, the the dungeon the city where you've put a nice bow on it and tied up all those loose ends what are you thinking about doing next i think it's totally fine to ask a player that i think it can be sometimes seen as a bit taboo or a bit of a crutch to be like let me just ask the players what they're doing next <laughs> but it but it, it i think that's totally totally fine because it just helps bring that quality up because then you're all on the same page absolutely i think i think that it should never be taboo to talk to your players. <laughs> if anything, you, yeah. You as a DM are not the enemy. You are, in fact, the facilitator for this world, whether you're going through a printed adventure, homebrew, whatever it may be, or flying by the seat of your pants doing improv. You are the facilitator to make sure that everyone at the table has a good time. Mm-hmm. If one of the players has a crazy, stupid idea... Maybe it might not work as well as they want, but at least talk to them and go, hey, 
What do you guys want to do for this session? You guys have these plot points in front of you or these items in front of you. Tell me your thoughts so I can make it more fun for you as yeah. well as still fun for me to write mm-hmm. it down versus you play, players having this crazy outlandish idea and they try to accomplish it and the DM just goes, no, I'm sorry, you can't do that because I'm not ready for it or things like yeah. that. You yeah. got to make sure that your players are still having fun and having that, that, that player agency to make it fun for the entire table and not just for whoever is there having a good time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it also has the underlying benefit to me as a DM of kind of getting your players thoughts and their understanding and perceptions of, of what's happening so my players are about to head back to a, a big city their kind of home city as it were but they've had a few run-ins with the law so they're you know they're a bit reluctant to go straight back and that was a good gauge for me to say hey what are you thinking of doing next and he's like oh well we were thinking of going back there but we don't know how successful it will be because of this that and the other and that i can just go oh okay yeah that's that's cool thank you but then in the back i'm thinking okay if i if i really want them to go there or, or you know there is a, a plan something for there or whatnot then i can now i know they have that apprehension i can then do something to say like it's a public holiday so there's a festival in the streets and it's really easy to walk about anonymously just you know off the top mm-hmm. of my head so you can use the player's perception by sneakily asking them what they're planning to do uh, <laughs> to help you plan for your next session it also makes it so the players are more invested in what they can do mm-hmm because you can tell them, like, hey, you guys are going to go find a big, bad, evil guy. And some players will be like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, let's go do it. But they also just might not care. They might, they might want to do it for the sake of advancing the storyline, but they might not be committed to the actual act of doing it. But mm-hmm. if you give them a reason to do it, or they, or they have an idea they want to do and they want to pursue, and you can help them follow that goal, they're going to be much more invested in that story afterwards. And that's at the end of the day what you really want. You want your players to be invested and happy to show up every time. Mm-hmm. You mentioned... Uh, during that conversation there about uh, the, you'd set up some puzzle, some trap or something, and the players just blasted through it in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so well, one thought I wanted to have a discussion around was planning for the unplanned, as I coined it. So what do you what do you do in those situations? Or what steps do you take ahead of a session to mitigate the effects of unplanned activities? So one of the things that I have done in our most recent sessions is I have completely changed my style of planning. Like entirely top complete revamp of how I plan every single session we do. Because previously I would start with exposition, what they can do, like, like, like a small window of what they can do when they go to that area and do that thing, this is what happens, and so on and so forth. So it all goes in a very nice narrative flow. Mm-hmm. But then I realized after almost a year, it does not work. Like I said, players want to go do their own thing, they change the, the they change the plan. They have a new idea, or they don't get to the part I want to get to, and we skip a, a giant chunk of exposition that I've written for the past, I don't know, like 30 minutes. So what I have done now with my planning process, I have a little template set up, set up so I can refer to it, is that I will set up a session. The pitch is that there's a problem, there's an objective, and there's consequences of the failure. And then as they go through, where were phases, and in those phases there's like locations, NPCs, whatnot. But I try to write down as many things as possible that are happening to give players options. If they say, hey, I want to go do this, I can pull from secrets that I have to give them more information that they can act on later on. Or I can uh, have, by default, events that are going to be going on in this setting, in this, in this sphere of this episode that they don't have control over to give them more chances to react to this. So as an example, they were trying to... Um, catch a guy who had betrayed them mm-hmm. by just running him down. That was the plan. But before they could do that, they had to figure out where he was. And so my idea was they're going to go there, they're going to ask around for a little bit, and then after a little bit of investigating, they'll find him. Which seems logical as, as, as a DM, right? The players would go to the area, investigate, mm-hmm. and then try to find the person. Instead, they went to the guy's house and tried to stay there for several hours so he came back home, which was <laughs> not my plan. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure a way around that. And so my idea was having a, a fighting ring, which is nearby, let out. And because it's late at night, a lot of people are at this fighting ring, it then creates a, a giant crowd surge, which makes the players a little more frantic of like, oh, is he in this crowd or not? Sort of, sort of minute details that give them more chances to react mm. that you don't think is as minute when you, as a player. Because as a yes. player, you, you think that, oh, 
now there's all these people out here out in the streets. Maybe he's in here. I don't know what's going on. We need to stop what we're doing and like go investigate this part. Where for me, it's just like a little, a little line of text. I read off this. This happens. All right, guys, go for it. Like, what do you guys want to do? Mm. And let them explore the world. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. So that, that that's a really good example. I'm trying to map that to how I do it. I've said I've said on previous episodes I can be sometimes a little bit too precious about my plot points. I think it's sometimes because I'm. I've, I'm like, this is such a cool idea and I can't wait till the players get there. And <laughs> then I'm always, you know, ever so slightly disheartened if it yeah. doesn't end up that, that way. I've been, I've been there several times. <laughs> Good, that's that's reassuring. Um, <laughs> in terms of planning for the unplanned, I think that loops back around to what I was saying about earlier. And I think you can either do one extreme, which is just try and plan for as much as you can, but mm-hmm. you'll never, ever, ever plan enough for what players yes. get up to so there's there's the, it almost kind of defeats the point you you know maybe a couple of times you might catch them by having some crazy idea planned but i think more often than not it's going to be like man i never would have thought of that myself so <laughs> yeah i think you know improvisation which is a topic of a previous episode is again a, another huge part of that and, and and the confidence that comes with being able to improvise then takes a lot of weight off off of planning and you might have to do less planning because you're just a little bit more ready to roll with the punches as it were yeah i think so i I know that that with my new prep method it's much more improv based Mm -hmm. i give myself space to weave things in as i see fit to maybe change how a plot point that i had or whether a minor plot point or an item or whatever i be to weave that into the story to make it better for them. Mm-hmm. But overall, I try to be pretty open, but still drive home the main plot. But it's still a lot of improv involved because you, you, you could never perfectly plan around your players. There's no way around it. Your players will always be up to something that you don't know about until it's too late. Mm. Yeah, I think, as I said earlier on, Again, don't abuse it. Don't overdo of like every session asking, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? But because <laughs> that, that will oh, defeat. I, I do that. I don't oh. care. <laughs> I, I, I guess I, I, I take ideas. I don't always do exactly what they want to do. Yeah. But I'll be like, all right, guys, you guys have this information. What are some of your ideas for it? You guys might want to do X, Y, Z. Or they'll be broad and they'll be like, oh, well, we want to go talk to this person. All right, cool. And I get a chance to go figure out how they go talk to the person. And what happens around that conversation. Mm. For example, they, they're they hired by someone to go get information. They went and got it. They got backstabbed. One of the player characters is now missing. So I tell them, all right, cool. What do you guys want to do now? Well, they're like, cool. We want to go find the person that backstabbed us. And I was yeah. like, all right, sure. I figured you guys want to go deliver the information. But you guys chose this route. We'll go this route. They go do that. Find the guy. And I assumed that they were going to kill this guy flat out because... It happens. He's, he backstabbed him. It's hmm. it's justice, sure. Mm-hmm. But instead, they chose they want to meet his employer, who was at this point in time was just a sort of background NPC looming over everyone. And that's how our, our episode ended. They were like, we want to go meet this person, this big shadow, shadow uh, dealer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, cool. Now I get a chance to go sit back and figure out how that conversation plays out and where they can go going forward by feeding them information in that conversation to go to the next area, whether it's this area or this area, they get their choice, but it still ends in the same place for me, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's one of those things that sometimes kind of happens organically without the DM having to think about it too much. Yeah. Which is which is great. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one, and it's always like both both planning for the unplanned activities and also having to let go of things you've planned that the players aren't going to anymore which is kind of like the other side of that (laughs) blade in a way um so twice now i've had big dungeons and in both instances the players have skipped well not skipped is not the right word because of the way they're designed they're not linear they're based on real world not real world but um realistic so there's loop backs there's right. doors there's chambers right. there's you know networks together one you know one was based in an old abandoned mansion hospital so there's you know antechambers and lounge rooms and so on and so on so in both instances they've not gone to a couple of rooms and a couple of encounters which is obviously at the time i'm like well that was 
pretty much wasted because I, they're not <laughs> like I can't lift and shift those. I know the old rule of thumb is right. like if they don't go somewhere, you know, you pick up that instance and you can put it down somewhere else in the campaign to still use that content later. But because the encounters a bit like like yourself, are, I like to have them have some meaning and some importance in that setting. They don't really make sense pick them up or put them somewhere yeah. else or the rooms don't won't work anywhere else so they, those are those are pretty much gone now uh <laughs> i don't yeah. you know you throw them right in the bin yeah yeah it'll be rare that the players are going to want to go back to that dungeon uh to 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 get all the secrets you know and rightly so why would they as sensible functioning adventurers you wouldn't just randomly go back to something when you've got some other existential threat looming over you right. so i get it so in those cases it is just like you just gotta learn to learn to let it go uh <laughs> and just kind of like yep maybe maybe next yeah. time <laughs> I, I know for me when it comes to playing dungeons for for the show i haven't quite figured it out yet i've tried bigger dungeons i've tried smaller dungeons i've tried middle-sized dungeons i've tried dungeons with loopbacks i've tried dungeons that are that are super narrow and just like straightforward and i still haven't quite found the right the right way to to pitch it I always feel like there is either confusion or dead space or too much yep. wasted content. Mm. So it's really, it's really difficult to try to figure out how you can plan a dungeon out like this for players. Mm -hmm. I think the most recent one we did was pretty small, and they they skip like half the rooms. And I was like, all right, cool. That, that, that is where it is now. There were cool things in those rooms for you guys to like get immersed in the setting, but whatever, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I have to, my my thing that puts my mind at ease is that that there were magic items in those rooms and now that the players yeah. don't have them. So I'm just like, ah, well, it's more your loss than it is mine. And that's that's my saving grace. That's the thing I hold on to when I'm <laughs> designing yeah, rooms. I've, I've had players who are like, um, my players are like, oh, I want to have more magic items. All right, cool, I'll put them in places. They don't grow those places, so they're lost <laughs> forever now. Like, I put them there. You guys didn't explore more. That's it. There was there was there was one where we had a, a gelatinous cube, and inside that cube had a had a cool item for one of the players, and they just didn't they they opened the door, saw the cube, went cool, and they closed the door. It's an optional room, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, that item's gone forever now. It was a really cool item. Bye. Yeah, yeah. I, this is weird because I've had the exact same discussion with my players. Like, I, I don't think they were <laughs> as candid about it. I think I had the feeling i got the feeling from them especially the rogue who doesn't have any magic items yet he's feeling a bit you know impotent in fighting some more magical mm -hmm. creatures so i said you know what they're probably ready for it let me start to introduce slowly a few more magic items they're a bit thin on the ground so i before we started playing one week i said hey, here's a few updates one is this is how i'm adjusting my dming i'm gonna start to give you a few more and literally literally there was two rooms with two magic items in the dungeon they were in <laughs> and they didn't go to them and i was like ah oh. and now it sounds like i was lying <laughs> I'm, honestly i'm not there are you just haven't got them it look hard enough <laughs> so now i mean a magic item yes is a lot easier to lift and shift unless it is obviously some big kind of you know it's like a cursed relic of a, an evil deity right. then then yeah that that you're not going to find that in like the basement of that tavern that's <laughs> yeah. got rats in it like that <laughs> that's not really going to make sense there okay so we've talked about planning the campaign and the setting for, for at a higher level and we've talked a little bit about encounters so what about if there's a difference, and I, I feel I might know what the answer is, but if there's a difference at, at that middle level, at that point of just doing a story or a chapter or a season, like how do you how do you approach that? Do you do you have a clear beginning, middle, and end for that, or is that a different a, a different stance again, a different take on it? Kind of. Um, the the sea the seasons and air quotes in seasons are kind of like loose terms. They're mostly for for podcast categorization uh -huh. where i can say oh hey we're in a new season now because things have changed slightly in the story but overall i don't think the the season part is really necessary as far as how i plan things out i generally have an idea of what the next arc is but these arcs are pretty broad uh and it's something, something i want to work on for the next campaign is making the, the arcs much more narrow <laughs> <laughs> yep but for the most part like i'll i'll have an idea for a couple of of not really encounters or quests, I guess you want to call it like that. I'll have a couple ideas I'll jot down and then 
as the players explore more, I might add some more. I might take mm-hmm. some away. Just sort of how how the flow goes. Like I said, I, I have entirely changed my planning style in yeah. this current season. So I don't know how this will plan out for the next season where I have things more upfront because I sort of uh, shifted this midway through. Oh, yes, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that with the way I'm doing it now, I'll be much more able for me to track everything the players want to do as mm-hmm. well as things I want to do. It's just it's fortunate that we're currently t- uh, this is all taking place in one big city. So it's all one recurring area. Uh, previous seasons where they're traveling to get to this area. So it was, it was hard to reuse content or try to fit things in when the setting has changed slightly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for where it is right now, every session, I have the pitch, the problem, consequences, and hooks that the players can get invested in this. And then throughout the session, whether it be one session or two sessions, they have different locales and things to do in those locales to sort of flesh the world around them and how they want to react to things. And it gives them a lot of a, a lot of areas to just do what they want. And I can just wrap it around that point. And as they find more things or I improv more on the fly to give players something cool, I then have to like jot that down to make sure I can reincorporate that later mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. So like in one of the dungeons, they found a diamond. I just wanted to have, give them a diamond. But I, I, for some reason, my, my stupid mouth said... Oh, this diamond seems really, really rare. You should take it to an appraiser. And I said that, and I'm like, all right, cool. And now I have to make sure there's a little subplot with this diamond. Otherwise, <laughs> it's useless. Yep. Or in our most recent session, their players are, are looking at books in a library. And I felt bad for telling them, nope, this is the wrong place for that book. Nope, this is the wrong place to look yeah. for this book. So I gave a player like, like, a, like a creepy book with some like weird cryptic messages in it. And I'm like, all right, cool. Now I need to make sure I resolve this little thing with this book and why this book is here. Yep. Yeah, I think sometimes we're, we're our own worst enemies with setting yeah. ourselves up to fail with <laughs> all the time. I just put my foot right in my mouth and just keep saying things. I'm like, oh, no, now I have to deal with this later on. <laughs> Here's another weird parallel between us is that so m- mine is quite compartmentalized as well. And it would be equivalent to, to a season. And also one of my notes to give, funnily enough, to my players at the uh, notification at the start of our next session is the future arcs the future seasons i'm planning to streamline a little bit more because mm-hmm. they've been so long and there's probably been a little bit too much bloat or self-indulgence if i'm being honest mm-hmm. in there on my part so and i also i too am saying let me try and let me try and streamline these down bring these down a little bit everyone's got other lives let's try and bring this in a little bit so um but i think uh, the other thing i want to say is libraries as well is that that is that must be I'll add that to my new DM bingo card of <laughs> mistakes made. Because um, I was I was playing in, in my DM holiday of, of, over Christmas. Uh, one of my players stepped up and did a little two or three shot for us. And we were in a town. He had a library in there. And of course, the players went. We had a, a full-on, like, full-on necromancer wizard. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> really leaning into it. And as, as of course, mm-hmm. like, I want to look at all these books uh, about these gods and these powers and these deities. And the DM was just like, oh, man, uh, that one's not there. This one's maybe here. Uh, yeah. I think anything to do with books, actually, is 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 such an awkward, awkward position to be put in. I, I can't really put my finger on why, but in, in my game, a player went to a magic shop and he was like, I want to look for a, a bestiary, basically. And I'm thinking right. like, oh, is that, I guess, I guess it would make sense because like a lot of reagents come from beasts, but then like, I really <laughs> want to give him like the monster manual. So where do I, right. where do I draw the line? And then into how much detail do I go into? Because it always sounds underwhelming. And in fact, maybe it wasn't a beast series. It was like, um, it was a beast series one, but then he also wanted a book on the gods and deities of the world. And so it's like, well, I can basically give you the synopsis and right. be like, well, it covers this, and it kind of covers about this, and it kind of covers about this, and it kind of talks about that. And if you haven't m- m- read the mind of the player to say, like, w- what does he want from that book, then that can just be some sometimes like a bit of a worthless yeah. thing because <laughs> they've just you've missed the point. They've not communicated what they want, and it's it's for some reason books have just this gotcha, this uh, hidden <laughs> hidden gotcha that you just can't plan for because no who's going to you know no one's skyrim here no one's writing like right <laughs> 20,000 words of law for the <laughs> maybe some people are but I certainly aren't um, <laughs> I I was fortunate enough where I 
came into the to this particular scenario and I had found a generator of a bunch of different book titles. Mm-hmm. And I slapped that in my notes so in case they asked for for different books, I could tell them the names of the names of these books. <laughs> and then based on those names, I could ad lib what the contents were as a synopsis uh-huh. like you said. My problem was was that once I left the main library to a secret hidden chamber that's super super old, they were trying to read those books, and I was like, "No, those books are useless. Don't worry <laughs> about those books." But those are the books they wanted to read, so almost all of the book titles that I had were useless because oh, they didn't fit in with this like ancient uh, library underneath the library. <laughs> and I was like, "Stop it!" You're like into secret old abandoned library from centuries ago, and all the book yeah. titles are like Clifford the Big Red Dog goes on holiday <laughs> and. <laughs> really jarring juxtaposition there i mean i kind of like that that's kind of funny yeah i will say that one of the one of the books that they did find um is called aspects in you getting accustomed to your changing body volume nine <laughs> um which in this universe aspects are like demigods they're granted powers by the uh by the everlasting which are like the gods of this world mm-hmm. so i thought it was a funny title to like Make the players laugh a little bit, yeah. but also not entirely inaccurate to the world mm-hmm. because aspects happen semi-frequently. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're the best things. Funny. Yeah. yeah, funny and, but, you know, correct, I Cor- guess, in yeah. the universe, yeah. Before we move on to the other half of the topic I was thinking about, I, I was going to ask if you had any kind of... When you're, when you're sitting down to do your planning, do you have any kind of traditions or routines you'd like to go through? Uh, clear my schedule, don't look at Discord, put some music on, and apologize to anyone who wants to, who needs my attention at that time. <laughs> like I said, it's got a lot better with the new planning system because I, I don't need to spend an entire day planning. I can mm-hmm. spend a couple hours planning. But I think, I think the most important thing for me is I gotta have music on, I gotta have something that I can, I can chill and vibe with, and take breaks, really. Mm. Um, the, the, the Pomodoro system is a really famous time management i guess we want to call it that way of working where it's like every 25 minutes you take a two minute break or something like that and then after the five minute break actually then after an hour of working you take a 15 minute break Mm -hmm. and that lets it so you can keep working but you don't feel like you're rushing yourself or or like force yourself to write things down you can stop Take a little breather without without losing focus. Go do something else for like two minutes. Come back, do it again, and it really helps you like refine and focus your ideas. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. and I found that helped me a lot in, in in everything. Really, I love using that technique for like work. Hmm. I'll have to do some research in that. I'm very much uh, as much as I improvise <laughs> at the table, I improvise away from the table as well. Of just sitting down and i really need a better routine rather than just trying to squeeze in time here and there whenever the mood strikes me but it's a creative endeavor so you know it is tiring it is you know brain exercise essentially it isn't it isn't always this is going to sound probably worse than i mean it to but it isn't always enjoyable i guess i mean it, (laughs) it is it is otherwise we wouldn't do it but there are times where it's like okay i've got to you know there's a time limit because the session's coming up or it's a really important thing so we need to get it right there are sometimes stressors in there that aren't just la-di-da i'm here having a fun time making up my fantasy world it's (laughs) so i I can totally see how that that system you just mentioned of let me let me let me step away for a little bit just a reset is would be interesting it'd be useful well like i said the start of the episode planning a session gives me not anxiety but like eh, close enough to anxiety where i'm like I have to do this. It's going to be in a couple of days. I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. But like having it be able to sit down and be like, all right, cool. I'm going to do this. My timer goes off. I'm going to, st- I'm going to stand up. I'm going to get a drink of water. I'm going to go pee. I'll pet mm-hmm. my cat. Where it might be, check Twitter, something like that, to take my mind off of the task at hand. And then timer goes off. I come back to it. I sit down and go, okay, cool. I was working on this. You know what? I don't like this idea. This doesn't work for me. Scrap it. Do it again. Mm. It's so much better for me to work that way. Hmm. I'll have to, uh, yeah, have a little bit of a research into that, and and also some self control. I think is probably half the battle there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for me. And then, and then finally, and it's a, a slightly bit of a meta question, and it's one that I'm fortunate enough not to have to worry about too much myself. But in terms of planning, obviously, an, an inevitable part of D and D is obviously making sure everybody's together and available. 
at the same time, How, <laughs> <laughs> which is obviously a bit of a horror story for a lot of people. And, you know, people sessions get cancelled and, and so on and so on. So I, I don't know if you've how have you found that? Do you have any hor- horror stories to tell of a <laughs> uh, failed planning of people's calendars? Um, it's terrible. Just like in any other um, D&D group, it's scheduling is a nightmare. It never works as you want it to. For the majority of the show, it was just, hey guys, we're out of content that's pre-recorded. We need to record soon. What do you guys want to do? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so our, originally we, we would record as long as the session went. We would split that into however many 45 to hour long episodes it was, which was usually around two to three. Mm-hmm. Usually. And then once we knew we were on the last week of content, we would, we would start planning to record the next session to then continue the cycle. And then at one point in time, uh, my regular job, my nine to five job, completely turned my schedule up itself. And we couldn't find a good time to record at the same time for all of us. Because we are, you know, it's, it's four of us, or five of us at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult. And then we struggled for, for several weeks of trying to best schedule out what days work. And now that my job has calmed down, we pretty much have it narrowed down to every other Saturday we have to record. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We have to record. Do you have plans? Cool. Cancel your plans. (laughs) (laughs) And we try to be as open as possible the week beforehand. Like, hey, guys, remember, this week's the week. Make sure your calendar is clear or tell us on what times on Saturday you are available. Because it might be evening. It might be afternoon. We, We don't know. So yeah. tell us what's going on ahead of time so we can better plan things ahead. We didn't do that this week <laughs> because <laughs> we're recording our session in a couple hours. Ah, okay. Because we were mostly ready and then someone was like, oh, hey, actually, no, I have to get dinner with my friend. Oh, well, that doesn't work because I have work afterwards. And then I had a one shot I was, I was taking part in for someone else's podcast because <laughs> I had planned mine around us recording earlier on. Yeah. Someone else had planned around their, us being later on. It was a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily we had uh today as a backup day okay good but for the most part it's it's pretty much just like a we have to set it in stone it is always every other saturday anything else is optional but we have to do it on this day with unless we give f- much further communication to everyone it is always every other saturday mm-hmm. good uh i think uh, yeah having that routine helps a lot of games i think maybe it's something that a lot of games maybe lack and that's why they fall into that trap of it never being ready. When I when I started right. my big long campaign at the very beginning, before we even started playing, I we basically had a vote, and I said everybody can pay your diaries when when is good for everybody. And broadly, we all said, yeah, okay, Tuesdays are pretty much free for all <laughs> of us. Okay, fine. So then we, we we played weekly for the first twenty or so sessions, and then I I pushed it out to fortnightly just so I could I couldn't keep up with the planning. Funnily enough, um, yeah. So then we went to fortnightly and we've been hitting that every Tuesday, every other Tuesday. Well, almost every other Tuesday since then, you know, a couple of occurrences here and there. But it's having that routine does make it a lot easier. Like, they're, they're, you know, people, once you've got into that routine, you almost don't need to tell people, like, have your calendar free because it's it's just part of their life now. <laughs> yeah, they always know. Yeah, yeah, which which makes the game sound bigger than it is. <laughs> like, D&D is part of my life, but it in a way, it is, except... And here's, here's my funny story of people bailing in, in the last moment. Uh, not Tuesday, just got on the one, this session prior... I was, you know, I was gearing up at the weekend. I think it was the Sunday before we were playing on the Tuesday and I'm getting ready. And then a player messages me and says, oh, I can't make it this Tuesday. I'm like, oh, right, okay. He's like, oh, yes, yeah, it's my partner's birthday. And in my head, I was thinking, oh, you mean the thing that happens on the same date every year <laughs> and ha- has been happening for the last 30 years on the same yeah. date. And, and only now, two days ahead of me, you're telling me you can't make, <laughs> you can't make it. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Fine, we will, we will uh, leave that. We'll avoid that session and uh, loop background. Uh, for us, it's it's because we're not under that constraint of having to have content. Right. Which now I'm only just appreciating how much of a constraint <laughs> that might be. Um, we we, t- we tend to just skip a week, which gives it you know a month between games, which has to actually t- can be a, a little bit of a nice reset sometime, I have to say. like By, by the time a whole month has rolled around... A lot of the players are keen, they're hungry, they're like... I completely forgot also what happened too. <laughs> well, ever since I've started delegating note-taking duties to one of them, they're, they're better on that now, because 
the balls in their court and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah they're as players they are they're like oh yeah we haven't played in ages and i'd like to play again so that works that works quite well in terms of scheduling and, and planning the game it's 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 easier for me because i can i can call it work and i put work in air quotes because i don't get paid for anything mm-hmm. but between this podcast uh chasing xp which is the other thing i work on and like twitch streaming all that kind of jazz I can compartmentalize it and say, well, hold on. No, I have to work today. I'm sorry, person who wants to hang out with me. Mm-hmm. This is more important right now. Uh, even though it's not really like work, I call it work. So it sounds more yeah. important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to sometimes we've, we've both, we've, you know, you've chosen that responsibility. And I have with this podcast that we're recording right, right. now. And so technically I'm, I'm working right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, also, I'm not paying you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. So we we've talked a lot about kind of DMing and and planning and campaign setting. I don't know if you had any thoughts or experience of a player and player character planning. And uh, I I asked the question because I think I've mentioned it in a previous episode of where player characters can sometimes forget to do adequate planning which is a <laughs> I, I think a symptom of that kind of fourth wall like don't show the boring bits of like player characters never or not never but often don't say okay i go and brush my teeth or i go in to the toilet and you yeah. kind of usually brush over those things so i think it planning can sometimes from the player character's perspective fall into that a little bit of just kind of like it's happened off camera but in reality it can't happen off camera um I don't know. So I don't, I don't get to play a lot as a player character because like I said, my friends are bad DMs. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love I love how candid you are with that, like just straight up. <laughs> they know they are. It's okay. They won't hear this episode anyway. They will never know. Um, and uh, also, Asterisk, this is not my podcast friends. This is my real life friends. Okay. My podcast friends, I don't know. One of them is pretty good. We have not tested the other ones yet to know. But my real life friends, Alex, you'll never hear this. You're a terrible DM. <laughs> well, that's that's what you think, because Alex is with me today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, I think that it's much easier for players to just have a concept and roll with that and see how it evolves in the world versus planning out how exactly they want to do things. Min maxing is a whole different scenario of like I want to make sure at this level I get this cl- this mm-hmm. class and this spell. But as far as like the actual story of the character. I think that almost all players are just there for the ride mm. to see how it develops with the DM. Mm. And I don't really know if there's a way around that because you can never really anticipate how your DM's campaign is going to shape your character. Mm. One of the things that, that we did in our show is that um, our wizard, Armin, he is a freshly out of the magic college. You know, he's young. He's uh, He was raised with a silver spoon in his mouth, so he's not really used to the dirtier, grimier parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And throughout our episodes, he's pretty much kept that same demeanor despite the world around him being pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. Up until one point where I introduced his old school bully. And that really gave him this choice of like, well, how do I want to treat this person that bullied me in my past? And he was pretty antagonistic about it, which I expected. Mm-hmm. And then it came to a certain point where they just wanted to murder him. And I was like, all right, cool. This is a, this is a dark turn. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. And so they're on the hunt to try to find this guy because I, I, I had made it implicit. So he's sounding like a bad guy. It was fine. But they found him and he was critically injured. And our wizard, again, Silver Spoon, fresh out of college, doesn't really know entirely how the world works, comes across this person that he's knew, they knew for years who had bullied him and, you know, made fun of him and, you know, made his life overall pretty, pretty rough for when mm-hmm. they were in school together. And me as a DM, I'm thinking, all right, cool, this would be a great redemption. Maybe he'll feel sorry for this person. Yeah. We'll help him and, and you know, turn a better cheek. No, our, our player looks the guy dead in the eyes and then and then murders him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. Well then, now we gotta figure out how this wraps into your uh, into your character arc. Mm. Because I still want to make sure my players have their own character arcs as well as the story arc. Yes. So I made the controversial decision to change that player's alignment but still make it so that anyone who still knows him can feel the repercussions of that action. Mm-hmm. So later on, we introduced another NPC from his past and forced him to come clean about what happened. And you can see that the NPC got visibly shaken by what he said. Yeah. So that way, he didn't plan that this to happen, 
But now he can sort of get an idea of what's happening and maybe he'll think to redeem himself mm. or commit to this and go all the way, go balls deep into it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. As a DM, I, I, I don't always know how the player wants to do this. I've had some players come to me and say, hey, I want to try to do X, Y, Z, or I don't know what to do with my character right now. Like, what do you what do you think? But I think at the end of the day, you really can just come come with a concept, come, come with your character as is, and weave it in with your DM story. I think it's the best mm-hmm. way to do it. It's really hard to plan around how your character will react to what happens in this campaign because you don't know what happened in this campaign. Yes. It could be super happy and over the top. It could be super dark. You really don't know. There's no in-between, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you raised an interesting point there that I wanted to ask is you mentioned there like you like to have a story arcs and character arcs. Now, I, I've combined them, basically, and, and, you know, it's a bit contrived. It's a bit like mm-hmm. Chosen One-esque level of the six of you just happen to be the six that are, <laughs> have have connections to. So, hey, it's a fantasy world. I'm, I'm willing to yeah, make that it's, contrived. It's a, that's not a fantasy one thing. These six people all have these these cool crystals. You guys are all main characters now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I've tied in, I've made that the same. I've made them one and the same. So the characters' backstories are the story arcs. Uh, it's, so do you delineate the two a little bit more? Do you differentiate between the two a little bit? More? And you, would you do you like to keep them separate because it's kind of a bit more of a personal story then to that backstory, to that character? Um, it's a little bit of both. So their current goal is trying to find the missing player character who we revealed in the last episode was this like imaginary, not imaginary, but this like this rumored figure this whole time called the the prodigal son. <laughs> the players have not known what this was until this last episode, but now they know this person is the prodigal son. This player character is still missing. They need to figure out what is going on and why. When this player character was here, he also didn't know what this was. Him and I had talked about it in the past, but I don't think he still put the dots together as to how, as to how it worked. But that is part of his character arc. And this player has 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 now left the show, but we're still going to resolve this major plot point because this is a, a big part of the campaign. Mm. But in the meantime. One of our other player characters has a history with the faction involved with all of this, the military faction called the Alchemists. And so at every twist and turn, this player character is invested because he doesn't know whether this loops back to him or not, mm-hmm. which I think offers a really good way for him to sort of work on his on his character story while still being part of this grander arc. Mm-hmm. Because the other players don't know his backstory. They don't know why he's involved with these people. They just know he's here right now. If that makes sense, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, absolutely. I kind of, I kind of like to weave it in with each sort of like mini arc, or I guess major arc we're doing. So mm-hmm. like the previous arc, we involved Armin's bully. That was a good way yes. for him to develop his character while still doing this other task while they're here in this town. And this current one with with Villef, which is our uh, our Drakenborn, and the Alchemist faction, is a good good way for him to sort of shape his world and his storyline about how he's going to react to all the things going on. And so next we might do the other player character or a new player character. We're not, we're not quite sure yet. Just to sort of give them something uh, personal with them while still doing the main goal. Mm. I think that's probably something I need to borrow a little bit more of, of, of having a maybe slightly smaller personal goals alongside the more grandiose story beats. I do have that. Now I'm thinking about it. I do have that. And a lot of my players do have longer term goals of either themselves or their mm-hmm. powers that be. However, in terms of like uh, that, that school bully example is a really good one of, of like quite a, a simple, but I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> like a, a, an elegant, a basic a, idea, a, a, you know, a clear way of having that moral quandary come in, but still have a lot of importance. There is, is great. So I need to think a little bit more about that myself here's 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 my final question my my final thought and and this is again loaded a little bit <laughs> talking of player preparations they have in universe in D 5e a number of spells that can help with that preparation and so by that i mean a divination suite of spells such as augury commune uh i think one's called divination mm-hmm. also things like legend lore so this is a twofold question. So one is obviously that's that's a way that player characters can prepare. And some of those are higher level, like four, five, six level spells that can directly commune with <laughs> essentially the DM in a way <laughs> yeah. playing, you know, in a weird kind of meta way. Um, but then also how do you as a DM, or how would you plan for those ones? Now, 
augury and commune and div- divination work in slightly different ways but they're all essentially being like god or some higher power tell me right. what's going to happen or, or the answer to this question which i found you know my, my my cleric has just got commune and he's like oh i've just got commune i'm gonna use that dm and i've gone ah oh, that sounds fantastic and then internally <laughs> screaming and like oh Bizzle my panic. gosh yeah but what do i need to do <laughs> so i just wondered like how do you plan for those kind of interactions those kind of weird deity let me tell you the future actions and I am fortunate enough to not have any players that can do that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I, pl- I play the ultimate trump card of not having it in my campaign. <laughs> um, I don't know. I never really thought about how I would tackle that kind of scenario because I- I- as of right now, my game is is mostly improv. A lot of it's just sort of flying by the seat of my pants to figure out what happens next in this particular yeah. episode. I don't know. I'd, I'd really have to to experience it and and, and feel that um yeah that's stress i know and in, in the one shot i played in literally last night where i was playing a cleric and i needed to use uh divine invention to call my uh my deity my dm was pretty flexible and let me do it i didn't want to push it too much mm. but i think it's it's really tough to give players a clear answer mm. so I, th- I think that's one of those rare moments where you as a dm have to stop and pause the game and go you know what, guys? Give me a second. Yeah. To sort of, to sort of formulate how this will work, because it doesn't really throw a wrench in your plans, but you have to figure out how to how to weave it into the world you're currently in without giving away too much information. If you don't want to, mm-hmm, if you want mm-hmm. to just give information, that's fine too. But you really have to like to word it very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a really good example of what you were getting at earlier on with like here's a diamond that looks like it's quite rare and you should get it appraised. Like, you could easily do the same thing then, but the scale's the, yeah. a, a lot bigger. Like, it, it's 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 your deity saying, <laughs> go and appraise that diamond, which is a bit more importance than yeah. on, the, on the character's intuition kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think that's really good advice there, just to say if you need to. Again, it's this... this it's self-imposed pressure that I think, well, certainly I have, mm-hmm. and I think it's quite frequent for DMs to be like, nope, I'm here, I need to perform, and if I can't do it, then I I just suck. When in reality, no, it's, it's, <laughs> again, it's totally okay to be like, guys, as you said, like, this is quite a big deal. <laughs> give me five so I can give it the, the time it needs yeah. rather than just some half-baked. God says no today. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> can't answer the phone on voicemail yeah exactly just straight to dial and tone sorry that's a waste of a spell slot <laughs> i think i think the only other way i would handle it is to make it a like a scene like mm. an actual like visual scene so again you still need some time to prep this but that way it gives it more player agency as well as more impactful on the setting as a whole mm-hmm. but that's also just how i want to do things i like i like being cinematic in my uh in my mm. storytelling yeah cool well, thank you for, for helping me kind of pass that <laughs> potential risk. Is there anything you wanted to talk about? Anything you might have missed? Not really. Um, if I could, if I could attribute the uh, the person that I stole my idea for for party planning from, it's Reddit user Elend Fiasco E L E N D F I A S C O uh-huh. is the person that made the original post on D and D behind the screen. Yep. Of how they write their sessions. And I have taken that and I have butchered it to my own needs, but I think it's a really good way to plan out sessions. Not even, not even just for a, for a, a podcast medium, but for any sort of D and D scenario. For anyone who is good at improv, good being a loose term, or is okay with improv, I think mm-hmm. it's a really great way to plan your sessions out. Okay, but I think that's, that's all I can really call out. Oh, okay, I'll check that out. And uh, for those listening, all, all the links will be in the description. So if anyone wants to take a look themselves, they. They they can and I would say should do. Otherwise, thank you, Jeff, for that for that discussion. We've had a bit of a a whistle stop tour of all, all like we've kind of approached it from all angles simultaneously. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there's a lot of interesting nuggets in there and a couple of tools and and tips and stuff that other people can use. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm super stoked to that. So so thank thank you for for that. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, listen to my show. It's Reroll Expectations. We air every week on Thursdays. It's a lot of fun. A really, really, really great episode. 
the, the early episode's a little rough. I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the story of a uh, podcast, I think. Yeah, I think it's starting in the current season, season three, uh, which is called The Search. It's really good. I think you guys will enjoy it. Also, I do another podcast called Chasing XP, where I get to interview game developers and designers about their their process on designing and developing games. Mm. And it's not just video games. It's also tabletop RPGs and whatnot. So if you guys like that kind of stuff, give it a listen. We also have a website where we do like game reviews and things like that. But yeah, that's uh, that's me. You can find me on Twitter, underscore RKDNC. Uh, I stream on Twitch, RKDNC as well. But uh, yeah, thank you for having me on the show, Danilo. It was great. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, oh, awesome. Thank you. And, and again, thanks for coming. Uh, to everyone listening at home, all the links, as mentioned, including uh, all of just socials and podcasts, will be available in the episode description, as are all of my socials. Thank you all for listening, and good night.